February 28th. We are coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome and the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge, and welcome to the Sports Drive. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. The Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Okay, so we got a busy, busy Flames Talk hour for you on this Tuesday. A little bit later on, Mitch Love, head coach of the AHL's Calgary Wranglers, will join us from California, where the Wranglers are getting set to take on Coachella Valley. Uh, before that, uh, we are going to be joined live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge by NHL Commissioner Kerry, Gary Bettman. As we're talking right now, the commissioner is in the Ed Whalen Media Lounge meeting with the media. Uh, he has uh, already addressed... A little bit on the arena, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing. There's really nothing to announce. But the commissioner is through Alberta for his. Uh, he go. He likes to hit everywhere once a year, and so he's in Alberta. Um, went to Edmonton on Monday night, saw the Bruins and Oilers, and he's going to watch the Flames and Bruins on this Tuesday evening. So Commissioner Gary Bettman's going to take uh, a few minutes exclusively with us here on Flames Talk in a little bit as well. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up this hour. Um, but. Every Everyone right now is buzzing about the trade deadline. Everyone, first of all, because Tuesday has been a bonkers day in the NHL. We've seen nothing but movement. Uh, we've seen Eastern Conference teams continue to load up. We've seen Western Conference teams offloading. And in one instance, well, Minnesota's made a couple of additions. Uh, they brought in Marcus Johansson earlier on Tuesday um, and most recently have welcomed Gustav Nyquist from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers uh, made a couple of moves on Tuesday. They moved Yesipul Yarvi to the Carolina Hurricanes, helped them open up some cap space for an acquisition of Matthias Eckholm, which has now been finalized. Eckholm's officially a member on this Tuesday of the Oilers, a big package including a first round pick and Tyson Berry going the other way. And yet, as we sit here talking on this Tuesday, the Calgary Flames have yet to enter the chat. They're still very quiet. They still have I, I don't even think at this point they have really made their decision about how they want to enter the chat or how much of a toe in the water to that chat they're they're going to put in. What form do they enter trade deadline conversations? What type of stance do they take? And that all, I think, not only remains to be seen by us, but I think from what I understand is, is still very much being discussed uh, when it comes to the 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 hockey war rooms, the, uh, the the hockey operations staff for this team, I I think they're still having all kinds of back and forth and discussions and and so on and so forth about which way this thing is going to go. Um, I do know that more is on the table now than I think the Flames ever expected there to be. 
I don't think the Flames expected to be in the position they find themselves in on this Tuesday, where they are multiple games outside of a playoff spot, where their chances of being in the postseason, while not completely shot, are slimmer than they ever thought they were going to be. And had you talked to the general manager of this team in October or November or December, um, I, I really don't think that there ever would have been a conversation about do they move out roster pieces to bring in assets. And when I say assets, I mean to bring in futures. And yet here we are on this Tuesday with the trade deadline on Friday, and I think that there is more on the table and there are more options for them, and they are considering more things than they would have thought uh, as of a couple of weeks ago even. And you can understand why. The place that they're in, I think that's the way they should be doing it. Honestly, don't buy for the sake of it. Don't sell for the sake of it. Just do what makes sense and make a deal. Make deals. They just got to make sense. They don't have to fit any one narrative. They don't have to fit any one direction. If there is a if there is an addition that can be made that makes sense, not just for this year but for the future, and it's a deal that can be made before Friday, I don't think that if you're Brad True Living, you should say, no, 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 we're not going to do this because we're not buying. But if there's somebody who comes at you with a first-round pick for a player that is under contract now and for next season, but you're getting a deal that you probably wouldn't get for that player in the offseason based on how high the prices are right now, I don't think that you can say, no, 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 we're not doing that because we're not selling. I think if you're the Calgary Flames, I believe this is where they are. I think you have got to be flexible. I think you have to be okay being flexible. I think you have to be okay living in the gray area in terms of how you're going to approach this trade deadline. Gray area isn't bad if you use it to your advantage. And I think both buying or in my case the the, the term that I like using strategically selling, I think you can use either to your advantage if you're the Calgary Flames based on where they are. I think that you can potentially make the, the type of addition that would help you in the future, I think that that could be. It's more likely the offseason that you see those types of things, but could be something that is available because other teams, I think, have kind of entered into the same conversation about, wow, we probably wouldn't have thought about selling before, but if we can set ourselves up with a with an asset that we didn't think was going to be possible for this player or that player, then, then we have to absolutely look at doing that. And that could be something the Flames should or, or, or could take advantage of when it comes to an addition. And on the other side, well, yeah, if, if there's a first-round pick out there for a, a guy that only has one year left of, of contract time, um, I think you have to look at that as well. Here's, uh, here's Elliot Friedman, uh, our Sportsnet NHL insider. He joins the Jeff Merrick Show every day, wherever you get your podcasts, and live at 10 a.m. here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Elliot Friedman, who spoke a little bit more about specifically the idea of selling and specifically the idea of the Flames being okay with moving out roster players if the right deal is there. I think they're considering it. Elliot has very much heard the same thing. Calgary has a lot of players, a lot of good players, with one more year left on their contracts. You know, they've yeah. got, you know, they've got Lindholm, they've got Backlund, they've got uh, uh, who's the other guy out there? I think Hannafin. It's not ridiculous term. They're all good players, and 
you know, you they, and teams like that idea of not just getting him from one playoff for two. I think he's weighing things, and I and I think especially over the last couple of days, he's been weighing things like that. You know, we'll see. Um, but yes, um, uh, I do think it's a possibility Calgary considers moves that. Well, never mind considering it because I know they're considering it. But I think it's realistic that they at least really go down the road or think about something that they wouldn't have contemplated at the beginning of the season. Do things that make sense and do things that make sense for the long term. That's And that's why living in the gray, if you're the Flames, isn't the worst thing in the world. Because you want to do, that's Elliot Friedman, by the way, from the Jeff Merrick Show, um, which is, of course, every day, every Monday to Friday, 10 till noon, live on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, and wherever you get your podcasts as part of our Sportsnet family of podcasts. Make it make sense for the long term. And that means buying or selling. I, I don't think going out and acquiring and, and giving, unless it's going to be something on the fringes that you're getting bargain bin, that you're paying a bargain bin price on, but giving up your high leverage assets for a guy who is 30 or 31 and is an expiring unrestricted free agent or a pending unrestricted free agent on, a, on an expiring contract or is a guy that is, is only going to help you on a, on a shorter term look, well then no, don't do that. Um, and but if you if you can make an addition for a guy that could help you down the road, I, I'm I'm skeptical. There's a lot of those things out there at this deadline. I mean, really, now that Meyer's gone to New Jersey, it's kind of like okay, Chikrin is that guy. If Arizona even decides to move him, uh, Chikrin seems like that guy. And and unless there are other names that we really haven't spoken a lot or been speculated a lot on. Not a lot of those names really exist right now. Fair enough, and that's fine. Um, so maybe you don't have to do it at this deadline. And then there's the other side. I don't think that you sell just for the sake of selling. We gotta, we gotta move out this guy, that guy. No, 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 no. But if it makes sense, and the the type of price that you're going to get in return is the type of price that ends up helping you in the future then, yeah, that's the type of move that I think you should be making as well. As we uh, take a look at the text line, keep them in at 960-960. Stay with us. Uh, We're expecting in the next few minutes uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, to join us here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. It's Steinberg along with you. This hour of Flames Talk is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, This reads, yes, long-term, something they've never done. It's always short-term with this team and no further thinking than getting into the playoffs. And and that, to me, is, is a real opportunity that they have. And, and that doesn't even mean that they are punting on next season. All it means, and, and means that they're giving up on next season. All it means is that you're kind of saying, you know what, this season maybe isn't it, regardless of what we do. This year maybe isn't the year for us in the playoffs or, 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 or when it comes to what we could possibly do. But we're going to make these moves. If we make it in, awesome. If we don't, we still believe that there's potential for next season. There's nothing wrong with that. As this text says, Calgary should copy what St. Louis has done or the, the, the most recent example, St. Louis did 
had going back to 1718. They won the Stanley Cup the following year. They sold off a couple of assets at the deadline. They decided that this is not our year. We're not going to we, – we might make the playoffs. We might not make the playoffs. But we're, we're not probably going to win a Stanley Cup. This is, this is not a year where we are the type of team, the type of contenders that, that you know, we, we look at ourselves as contenders. So as a result, they said we're going to sell off a couple of assets and use some of those assets in the offseason, perhaps, and then go about our business in the offseason. They brought in Ryan O'Reilly that offseason. He was key for them in winning a Stanley Cup, so on and so forth. I just, or, or the most recent example, because St. Louis has done a little bit of that, but they're not going to make the playoffs. They're very far out of it at this point. But look what Nashville's doing. Look what David Poyle and now Barry Trotz are doing with the Predators. They have a better points percentage right now than the Calgary Flames do. They are closer to a playoff spot by probability, at least when you take a look at just straight standings. They've got a better shot of making the playoffs than the Flames do, and yet they've traded Ekholm, they've traded Niederreiter, they've traded Janot, they may not be done, there might be more. And they've said to themselves, there are untouchables. We've got a core of Roman Yossi and UC Saros and Philip Forsberg, and we're going to build around this core. And pretty much if you're not part of that core, you've got an opportunity to be dealt for assets, and we're going to see what happens. And we're going to, uh, we're going to try to recoup some assets. Um, and I, I really like what the Predators have, have done so far. Um, this reads from Sam. Pat, I believe the Flames should be following the Nashville model heading into the deadline. If you can get picks in the first three rounds to move a player, I do it, mainly because the Flames had a perfect chance to do a retool in the offseason and went the opposite direction. This clearly is not their year, and... The, they've been given a second opportunity to cash it with the ridiculous packages teams are offering right now. Uh, and I agree from Sam. That's kind of exactly where I am. Uh, this says, well, I agree, Pat, with what you're saying. The gray area will lead this team to doing nothing and being in the same spot come next season. And that's what I'm trying to suggest, that, um, you know, maybe they, they go about their business a little bit differently than they have in years past. Um this says, afternoon, fellas. I hope this take is wrong, but the history of this organization is to never sell, limp into the playoffs or just miss, hold on to expiring assets, be in contention next year, and get nothing in return. And again, they've got an opportunity to flip the script a little bit right now and to do things a little bit differently um, than they have in years past and the organization has done in the past. And I think that there is something to that. And I think it would be I think it would be pertinent to at least explore it. Looking I know that getting into the playoffs is a very, very lucrative option for this team. And I know getting those two or three or five or however many home dates you might get depending on how far you go. Um I know that is lucrative financially, and I know that everybody in this league has lost a lot with a two-year pandemic that, that, that really messed up business for everybody, messed up business for the league, messed up business for individual teams. Of course it did. And I know there's a lot being put into trying to recoup some of those losses if you can, so getting in would help do that. But I don't think you need to do it at all costs. And as this text comes in, says, Pat, this team is in a so-called window need to find creative ways to retool on the fly. And that is what I think they have the opportunity to do here. Be creative. I think they have the opportunity to do something that they have not done in the past and something that 
you don't always get the opportunity to do because sometimes you're Chicago and sometimes you're a team like that that is clearly selling and they're they're going fire sale. Or sometimes you're Boston or Toronto or Tampa Bay and you're clearly buying. And you don't necessarily have the options to be those, you know, in that gray area. I like the way Nashville is exploiting the gray area. I like the way St. Louis is doing the same. And the Blues, I, I don't think the Blues are rebuilding. I think they're to that text. Um, they're retooling on the fly and they are thinking about next year and seeing if they can leverage this year to help them for next year. And I think Nashville is doing very much the same thing. I don't think Nashville is trying to blow it all up and go in a completely different direction. I think that they are leveraging this year, looking at themselves in an intellectually honest fashion and seeing if they can't use this year and put themselves in a better spot for next year. It's uh, Pat Steinberg along with you on Flames Talk. We are underway on this uh, on this. Tuesday afternoon, and uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have got uh, the opportunity and the privilege to say hello to the commissioner. Uh, commissioner Gary Bettman is with us. I will say, I have um, been in one of the chairs around here when Rob Kerr was sitting in that chair, and uh, have watched many of these before. This is my first time having an opportunity to chat to the commissioner. Hello, sir. It's good to be with you. The surroundings are familiar Very to me. Familiar. Here we are in the basement, but Rob's chair is empty. Rob's chair is empty right now. It's very strange. I'm sure he did, says hi. Did, did he leave you any uh, 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 chew or... Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, get, I, 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 have, I have watched intently as he's done it, and I've picked up on some cues, and, and he did it better than anybody. So uh, I have watched him many times. Um, so I, I, I have an idea. No, I meant did he this. leave you any beef jerky. Oh, <laughs> oh beef jerky. <laughs> You know, they, he, this place used to be stacked with it. I know. You know, the uh, about four or five years ago, they uh, they stopped supplying us, and we haven't had it ever since. Well, but you see, I, I maybe didn't, Rob I didn't, took it with him. Well, that I didn't know that because I haven't been in here because of COVID I for know. a couple of years. I know it's but. been well, and it's good to see you back on the road. And you were in Edmonton yesterday. You're in Calgary today, and not. Not to announce anything specific, just the the yearly rounds, correct? I, I like going to all of our buildings. I try to get to everyone in the course of a season. Um, it's fun. It's different in every place. Fan base is a little different. Game presentation is a little bit different. It gives me an opportunity to spend time with ownership, to meet with the organization. Today I was at a luncheon for 300 with a combination of suite holders, season, tic uh, season ticket holders, and business partners. And it's great to have that interaction and see how people throughout the league feel about the game. Uh, I heard about the first uh, three or four minutes of your conversation across the hallway, uh, and and you did uh, you did while you're here in Calgary meet with our our mayor, correct? Yes, I did. What uh, what were those? What how would you characterize those conversations? I, I, I thought it was a good opportunity to get acquainted. It was constructive, and I think everybody is on the same page that there's no doubt that Calgary needs a new event center. It's been that way for a while, and I know there's only so much you can say. Can you just give us or, or characterize the NHL stance as to how important that is? Well, I, I, listen, uh, it's not just for the Flames. Having an event center affects the quality of life in Calgary. Family shows, concerts. I think Edmonton's had 50 more concerts than you've had here. 
Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, no, it, it's true, and so it's it's something that's important for the quality of life in a community. From a league standpoint, you know, this building, I think we can agree, is past its due date. And at some point, it's going to become uninhabitable, Mm -hmm. and there needs to be an alternative. What is the the commissioner's role in the talks and in moving the conversation forward? Well, I get involved to the extent I get invited, to the extent I can add something that's constructive. Sometimes if, if parties aren't talking the same language, I can be either a facilitator or a translator. But it varies case by case. And obviously, if one or both of the parties have no interest in talking to me about it, then there's not a whole lot I can do. So you felt you, you did it, feel like this was a little bit more was, positive than other conversations? Well, I, I think I think the language of discussion is an agreement that everybody feels there's no choice but to have a new event center there's a lot of work to be done because to say the devil is in the details would be an understatement because we're not at details there are fundamental things that have to be resolved but everybody's focused on it and i think that's a good thing i was uh listening to your available in uh, availability in edmonton and you were asked are you stalking me uh, well i knew i knew you were here so (laughs) i wanted to make sure i did my homework well you you dropped in on the media veil here you were listening to that one you're making me nervous i actually have (laughs) i actually have a stowaway in uh on your flight so watch out um what <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. The uh, the ice district in Edmonton and the success of Rogers Place that that's a, a real success story in our province. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you just talk a little bit to that? The process that you were involved with in getting to that point uh, in our provincial capital. Well, I I think that uh, there were a couple of things at play. Uh, one, Mayor Mandel had a real vision for the city, and it was more than just an event center. Yes, it was it was about creating a nice district and transforming downtown Edmonton and it's been magnificent and I will say I have a little first-hand knowledge as to how good it is because I lived in and was locked in (laughs) to the ice district in the bubble you know during COVID and there were points in time where it helped for me to be talking to both Daryl Cates, the owner of the Oilers, and Mayor Mandel, and, and it helped keep things on track. But in the final analysis, they were the two that got it done. Well, and and you know, being a uh, rather frequent visitor to the city of Edmonton, to see what has happened around isn't there, it great? It, well, it it is, and you know, we like to have the playful rivalry with the city. But I, I'm really proud of of what they've been able to do to a downtown that needed it, and and that kind of goes that, back to that your could point, be, right? That could be you. That's what, that's <laughs> the, what I'm hoping. It, well, I think everybody is. Yeah, it, it's a you know what when, when no longer are just event centers being built, they're really destinations, whether it's shopping or restaurants or residential or commercial, having a place that people come together around the arena uh, can literally transform the downtown of a city. Commissioner Gary Bettman is with us here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Uh, you actually, it looks like the pace, place was painted. It did get it did get a little bit of coat of paint, and we also took out some of the light bulbs, so it's a little bit less like you're in a 
like you're in solitary confinement. Yeah, no, it's very nice. You, I like what you've done to the place. As as good as a broom closet can get, I think is what we say. How how excited are you for the first ever outdoor game? It'll be in Edmonton, and and the Oilers hosted the first one, but for the first time ever, the battle, we get a battle of Alberta outdoors. I think it's going to be sensational. That's why we planned it. I remember the first game. I I believe. It, unless my memory is deceiving me, it was 20 below zero Fahrenheit. Yep. It was cold, yep. and it was great. And the fans were terrific, and I have no doubt that many of the Flames fans are going to be driving north, yep. and it should be a, another wonderful event. I mean, listen, that first game set off you know, a whole series of games. I think we've now done 37 or 38 outdoor games. Uh, and and they're great moments. They're great ways for our fans to connect with the game and gather in large numbers. I mean, a typical night, 18,000 people are at our games. You know, to play in front of 50, 60, 70, we've played in front of 105,000 fans. It's it's a wonderful experience, and we are excited to bring the Battle of Alberta outdoors. I, I do. I want, I've always wanted to ask you about this because you were able to get the outdoor game in during the 56-game season. So you really you were able to keep a streak going to be able to have one going for as long, at least one for as long as you have. How how proud of a league of the league are you for that? Well, it, it's not about us being proud. It's really about making sure our fans are engaged. We've got the world's best fans, and we've got to do our part to give them, you know, content, to give them connectivity to the game that they love. Just a few more with the commissioner. Um, I've heard you say a couple of times the, the trade-related reasons. It's, you, uh, you are stalking me. You're following my quotes. Uh, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> How uh, how on the radar yes. is our trade related reasons? <laughs> are they are they? I'm cracking you up. I'm I'm enjoying that. <laughs> how how much of a like would you consider it an issue? Would Which you, uh, trade related reasons? Is that is that? You mean not playing a player? Holding oh. a player out okay. for trade reasons? Well, you know we we don't like some other sports have load management issues. Our players love to play. Uh, we're seeing a little bit more of it this year than we've ever seen before, and I don't know if this is an aberration or an issue. It's something I tend to raise with the general managers, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to let one season of this set us off, but it's something we have to keep our eye on. And by, but by yep. the way, you know, and, and things tend to get painted with a broad brush, but there are instances where a club will let a player take off a few days because... Uh, there's going to be an impending birth of a child. There have been instances where players have taken off because there's been a death in the family. So it's it's not unusual for there to be a healthy scratch for a personal reason. You know, is this much different? Not in the first instance, but if we start seeing it on a widespread, systematic basis, okay. I would have a different answer. What's uh in terms of next steps in in getting to your final salary cap calculations yeah. for next season? I know that's been a big talking point. What are the the next steps from a league standpoint to to truly dial in on that number? We've got to see what HRR hockey related revenues are for this year. We we're probably two years ahead of what we projected when we during COVID changed the system. You know, wound up having an escrow balance of a billion and a half dollars. So in terms of getting it repaid, we're doing much better. Uh, We think, based on our current projections, that we'll probably run short. Not by a tremendous amount, but we'll run short, which means flat cap 
one million dollar increase for next year. It is possible, but I don't want to lead anybody on and get him too excited. It's possible that if projections come in higher, you know, like 150 million higher, give or take, that the escrow may be completely paid off. In which okay. case, you'll see the cap go up four and a half million. If not this year, next year, and uh, um, we got to feel good about the fact that we came back strong. Uh, from COVID, which is why we're even having this conversation that it may be paid off already. Yeah. And, and that's where I was going to go. Just overall health of the league seems really seems good. pretty good from where we're, it was, right? We're, you know, we're record revenues. Our TV ratings are back. Our attendance is back. Our buildings are basically full like they would normally be. Uh, we had great cooperation from the players and the Players Association. Uh, ownership was really strong. The clubs were great. I know at times during COVID when we were dealing with things, we were being accused by some of making it up as we went along. And we were um, because, <laughs> you know, we were, you we, we were dealing something. And it wasn't just us. Listen, everybody, not just sports or other businesses, everybody had a tough time having to deal with COVID. It was unprecedented. And everybody... In, in the tr in in the true sense of a team sport and the ultimate team sport came together to get through it and that's why we came out strong on the other side when you were doing those news conferences to you know announce the return to play or could you have envisioned that the league would have been a couple years later in the shape that it's in now well that was the plan because if we didn't do the things we were doing i knew we weren't going to come back strong but we were we we had a vision of what we had to do to get through this and ultimately, everybody came together and made it work. Ultimately, it, you know, we're in this and we do this for the fans, and they've come back strong, and, and we're grateful. Two more quick ones. First of all, a uh, lot of trades today. Friday's the deadline. As the commissioner, how do you, uh, how do you take in deadline time? I, I think, you know, a lot's made of it, probably more than should be. People, teams make trades because they've either decided they need a little bit of help to get where they want to get, which is the playoffs and then ultimately the cup. Some teams at this point decide they need to retool because they don't have a shot and they've got to rebuild. Um, I think if there are good reasons for making trades, it's great. Making trades for the sake of making trades so that somebody can you know, count the total number of trades or speculate, why aren't you making a trade? If you're making trades because you need to for the right reasons and you have a plan, I'm good with that. And finally, uh, any any update on the investigation to the 2018 World Junior Team? There's still some. I'm told there's still some more work to be do to do. Uh, we're getting close to the end. Uh, I haven't seen a preliminary report. There's, everything's okay. going to have to be put together, and then we'll have to look at the report, and I'll have to decide what, if anything, has to be done. Okay. Uh, appreciate the time. Thank Great. you very much for doing this. That was fun. Great to be with you. Thank you. It was fun. It's good to have you back in the room. It's always <laughs> good. To, well, it's not always good to be in the room, but the room's looking very nice. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, he is the commissioner, Gary Bettman, joining us here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge and uh, joining us here on Flames Talk. Uh, Gary in town uh, for just his uh, yearly trek through the 32 NHL markets was in Edmonton on Monday in Calgary on this Tuesday night to watch the Flames and the Boston Bruins. Uh, hey, you know what? Rob uh, Rob Kerr did that every single year. I think I watched about 10 of them. Um, so I learned and tried to pick up as much as I could uh, from the best in the biz. And uh, ah, 
I, I probably used about 2% of it when I wasn't being run right over by him, but that was pretty funny. I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun talking to the uh, commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, in Calgary on this Tuesday. Talked a little bit about the trade deadline right at the end there. Our deadline day coverage on Friday is going to be brought to you by our two great sponsors. Thanks to Tuxedo Source for Sports and thanks to Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or deliveries at 403-248-3344. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. All right, it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today, usually on a Monday this week on a Tuesday. It's time to check in with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. It's time to say hello to Mitch Love on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline since we last spoke to the head coach of the number one affiliate of the Flames. 5-4 5-4 overtime loss to Henderson, then a 5-2 and 2-1 losses to the Silver Knights as well as we uh, say hello to the head coach of the Wranglers right now. Mitch, as always, appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, how are we doing? And uh, and I guess just uh, how uh, how we feeling going into a new week? Oh, well, it's good. Good to have me on, Pat. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, things are things are good. We're, we're on the road. We're battling right now. Um, you know, uh, let's just say it's good that we're not playing Henderson here for a while. And, uh, you know, we're moving on to our next opponent, which is a, a very good hockey team in Coachella Valley here uh, tomorrow night. How uh, how would you, if you take a look at the three games you played against Henderson uh, last week, just in, in terms of the way your group played, how how'd you feel about uh, your efforts? How'd you feel about the way the team played overall? Well, I think, our, you know, for the most part, our effort was there. It's... Um, you know, uh, you know, we found a point in that first game there last week, and and you know, lost in overtime. Um, you know, I actually liked our game the second night, even though the score was you know five two with a couple empty empty netters. Uh, we played a much better hockey game, much more complete hockey game, had our opportunities, and then you know, even so, on Sunday afternoon back in Henderson, um, you know, we were up one nothing after forty minutes, and uh, you know, put ourselves in a good position to to close out and, and win a hockey game and you know a couple couple bounces went their way in the in the third period um you know uh and then we came up on the short end of things but you know the effort was there we're we're struggling a little bit right now in terms of finding the back of the net um and you know i think that's a little bit of what's happened the results that we're, we're faced with but uh you know, we can't get impatient. We can't squeeze our sticks, uh, you know, and, and and find our way out of it. we got to continue to work and, you know, maybe simplify our offense a little bit, uh, you know, get more pucks to the net, more bodies at the net, and, and kind of look for some of those secondary opportunities, uh, you know, around our opponent's nets. And, and eventually we'll gain some confidence out of that and, and you know, hopefully find some more uh, winning results. 
you uh, you talked about it there. You said, uh, you know, happy not to be playing Henderson for a little while. What what about that group? Because I know uh, I know that you've mentioned it a couple of times this season about how they they've given your group frustrations. What what about specifically playing Henderson has has given your team issues, Mitch? Well, I think uh, they're a team that doesn't score a lot. I think they're near near the bottom of the league in terms of finding the back of the net. Um, but they're 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 a team that doesn't give you a lot either. I think they're in the top ten in goals against in the league. Um, you know they they've added a few players here of late. Uh, they had a couple guys uh, you know sent down from from Vegas uh, in Miramanov and, and Mayo there on on Sunday and added a you know Smith from Syracuse there about a week ago and. You know, I think they just they, they play a certain brand of hockey that makes it hard for you to generate much. And, you know, we, we had our opportunities. I, you know, we made some adjustments offensively to our game that we felt we needed to to, to try to generate more against them. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, we may bring out the best in their game. And, and I've said it all year. They're, they're a better team than their record indi- indicates. Um, they just haven't been able to score as much as they probably would have liked this year. And, uh, they're playing some real good hockey over the last month or so. Um, so, you know, they've given us fits. I think there's probably every team in our league has one opponent that they face quite often that gives them fits, and that's ours. And, uh, you know, we, we don't have them for a while. So, we, you know, we're just, just moving on to the next task, which is a very good team here in Coachella. Well, and that's where I wanted to go with you next, Mitch. Uh, you, you've got this Coachella Valley team that you've been neck and neck with all year for top spot in the Pacific Division, and now you've got one of two remaining head-to-heads with them. And, and, and look, I know that every game is huge as you try to clinch a playoff spot. Every game is huge as you're into the well into your final quarter of the season. But do you get the sense that, that being in their building and and only having a couple more head-to-heads with them, like do you, do you get the sense as the coach that, that your group, even even your coaching staff, is looking at that, that game against uh, the Firebirds as kind of that big game feel? Yeah, I think, you know what, we haven't lost three games in a row, Pat, since the first three games of the season. So, you know, as a coach, you, you're kind of living in the now and, and you're working day to day in, in terms of getting your team prepared or individuals prepared to play and and continue to work on their development. Um, our guys have played some really good hockey for the last four months. To, to only you know lose you know three in a row here of late uh, for the first time in you know almost four months is is pretty impressive over a long American Hockey League season. Yeah. Um, so you know, for us going into this game here, we we know the importance of it. Uh, you know, they're a couple points behind us in the standings with four games in hand. Uh, they got a heavy home schedule down the stretch. We've got a heavy road schedule down the stretch. Um, we, we know that this game's important. We know the one in April against them is going to be important if we're going to, you know, try to stay atop of our division. Um, but that being said, like, we really, you know, we had a good meeting today and a good practice today in terms of just focusing on us and what we need to do to be successful. There's there's some things in our game I think we got to kind of get back to in terms of our identity of being a little harder to play against when we don't have the puck. Um, that, I think, will allow us to have the puck a little bit more and, and then hopefully generate a little bit more offensively for, for a team that's struggling to score goals five on five right now. So, you know, um, we're not going to put a whole heck of a lot into it tomorrow. Our guys, we've got some veteran guys in our dressing room in terms of, of understanding how important the game is. And, um, you know, we want to come – you know, try to break our losing streak here against uh, what we consider one of the better teams in the American Hockey League. 
In conversation with Mitch Love, he's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, number one affiliate of the Calgary Flames in the American Hockey Plague, uh, Hockey League, rather. And and I wanted to ask you about a couple of players um, that that you know have, have I've asked you about them at, at different times this season, and just kind of wanted to get uh, a scouting report in terms of progression from you, coach. And and I'll, I'll start with with one guy on the blue line and that's uh, Jan Kuznetsov who had a had a pretty solid last week for you when it comes to the score sheet. Uh, I was able to watch one of the games that you played here uh, against Henderson at the Dome last week. Um, just just overall in and I know he's still a really young defenseman which is a, a hard adjustment in pro hockey. Where have you seen strides in in Jan Kuznetsov's game this year? Well, it's it's been really beneficial for him here of late. You know, let's call it the last month or so to to be in the lineup each and every day. You know, with with Gilbert being up with the Flames, and uh, you know, we've just we've been a little little thinned out in terms of our roster uh, with recalls up there, and and so he's been an everyday defenseman for us. And yeah, you know, I think the biggest improvements I've seen for him in his game is obviously a little bit of confidence uh, in terms of playing each and every night and, and getting his minutes for us and. You know, just I think the biggest thing for him in terms of continued progression, progression in his game is doing things quicker. You know, the processing that comes with moving pucks efficiently, being a good first pass defenseman out of our end of the ice. You know, and and then working our way into, you know, our opponent's end is just getting pucks to the net efficiently, uh, getting it, you know, by that first layer near the blue line, and 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 then again on the defensive side, it's just being harder to play against, firmer at our net. You know, he's a big, strong kid. He's Six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, and 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 then just having good body position and good body contact below below the dots. I think that's uh, you know for any young defenseman, it's a tough league, especially this time of year. Um, he's got to continue to find you know consistency in that. But you know, I've seen a lot of growth in him, and um, you know we're going to need him here down the stretch, uh, along with all our defensemen here, you know, to to do their part for us to be successful. And then. I wanted to ask you about Emilio Pedersen up front as, you know, you take a look at the numbers he's posted of late, Mitch. He's going to finish with a, a really solid statistical season. Now, I know that that is not the be-all and end-all and, and isn't the only thing that goes into evaluation. Of course not. But I, I just I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on him as he continues to maybe get more and more comfortable offensively at this level. Well, I, I think with Emilio, like – Right now, we need his offense. I mean, he, yep. he's you know he's on our top line. Um, you know, we've had kind of a a musical chairs of of centermen with with him and Matthew Phillips, and 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 we need those guys to produce for us. And so, you know, I think for him, he, he's gained a lot of confidence this year. He's a third year pro. Um, you know, he I think he had pockets last year where where he was good for us, and there was pockets he was quiet. And he'd be probably the first to admit. It was probably a bit of a challenging year with the coaching change, uh, you know. Um, and so we had moments where, you know, him and I, uh, you know, worked together on some areas that I felt like he could improve his game. Um, and I think that we're kind of seeing a little bit of growth in that this year. And, uh, you know, maturity. He's still a young player. He's 23 years old. And, um, you know, he's just he's playing the game with a ton of confidence, making plays with, with good players. And, and not straying away from, you know, how important it is to play without the puck. And, uh, you know, I've been very impressed with this season so far for us. And, and we're going to need him, uh, along with some of our other top players offensively, to, you know, continue to try to find the back of the net here for us to, you know, find some wins in the last uh, 19 games. 
Final one for you, Mitch. You, uh, we know you've got Coachella Valley coming up on Wednesday. Big game. Then you've got Colorado in, in one of the more intimidating buildings in the American League, one of the, the, the best atmospheres you're going to find. Just overall, set us up for the week ahead for your group and, and how you see it all playing out. Well, it's going to be exciting. I, you know, it's our first game in this building here, which, from what we understand, is a, is a great atmosphere. Um, they're putting, you know, anywhere between seven and ten thousand fans a night uh, here for this team, and they've got a good hockey team, so we're excited for that. Uh, be something fresh for us. And then we always know we haven't been to Colorado since October as well, so that's always a, a great building to play in, and there's really nowhere to hide. And uh, so these these are great great hockey games for our team right now. I think we. We need the atmospheres of these buildings to kind of help us through what we're going through here with this little mini slide. And, uh, you know, we, we know how important it is, and we just got to focus in on us and, and make sure we're prepared and ready to play and, and try to find a couple wins here along the way. Mitch, awesome to catch up with you as always. Thank you so much. Good luck against Coachella Valley. We'll be watching you from afar this week. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Pat. He's Mitch Love. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. He joins us each and every week here on Flames Talk. And uh, this week, he joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Wow, that was quite the hour, I won't lie, as we start to wrap things up on uh, this hour of Flames Talk on this Tuesday, February 28th. I still can't believe that it's already March. Like, we're already in March Trade deadlines this week. We've got all kinds of trade deadline coverage on Friday and leading up to Friday. This hour, uh, lots of your texts, lots of trade deadline talk. We heard a little bit from Elliot Friedman on Calgary potentially selling off a couple one, two rostered type players. We heard from uh, we heard from Elliot Friedman on that. We had an exclusive chat with Commissioner Gary Bettman. If you missed that, it'll be up on the podcast in just a little bit. And of course, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Mitch Love. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.